The data suggests that employees are leaning towards flexible, more hybrid options. They may want to go back to the office for a portion of time, but they're very interested in, in maintaining the option to work outside the office, particularly if they have the ability to do so. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Marianne Snell. Marianne is the founder and CEO of Sophia and an expert on both remote work and distributed teams. Marianne, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm terrific, Peter. It's so nice to reconnect with my friends here at Alert Media. Thanks for having me. Indeed, we had a, a wonderful session not too long ago where we did a webinar together, and I really appreciate that time. And great to have you on this show. And we're going to be digging into the important topic of how to engage and protect your remote workforce. But before we begin with that, can you tell our listeners about your background and your company, Sophia? Absolutely. So as Peter mentioned, my name is Marianne Snow, and I'm CEO and founder of Sophia and the Remote Nation Institute. And we help companies optimize productivity in remote and distributed teams. And we also teach remote work leadership skills to people who lead remote teams. So Alert Media has a great technical tool to support remote and distributed teams. And Sophia and the Remote Nation Institute focus on the people and the business business side of the equation when it comes to remote and distributed work. Now, speaking of those people, the shift to remote work happened way faster than anyone could have predicted in 2020. There are currently, it's millions of Americans working from home, and many of them have been doing that now for over a year, which is, I would say, just truly hard to believe. So with that in mind, how would you describe the current state of remote work from both the employer and the employee perspective? So thank goodness it was an option for so many people, right? Yeah. It's been quite a proof of concept demonstrating that more people can work flexibly than originally imagined. And it's saved many, many, many jobs, companies, organizations during a really, really tough time. Now, today, it's causing many organizations to reevaluate their workplace plans, and many are opting to forego renewing leases. And the majority of our clients are examining which jobs can stay remote or at least which jobs could work remotely some portion of the time, mm. while employees are ready to maintain flexible work choices as they think about their futures, because nobody wants to go back to the commute, Peter. Absolutely nobody. <laughs> Although I did talk to someone the other day who said they missed their commute, and I think it was because they had some <laughs> nice alone time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, most employers worldwide right now are approaching things pretty cautiously as they consider their pathway forward, as they think about what's right for them. But, you know, we're longing for things. It's the grass is always greener on the other side. But my <laughs> prediction is you're going to go back to the office and after about 24, 48 hours, you're going to be longing for the flexibility to work a different place. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always say the grass is always greener on the other side, but you still got to mow it. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so true. Well, when it comes to remote work specifically, it seems like the COVID-19 landscape is really substantially different than the pre-COVID remote work landscape. So have you found that to be true? And if so, can you shed a little bit of light on that for our listeners? Well, to start, it's hard to tell employees they can't work flexibly anymore when they've done it successfully for over a year, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and employers know this. And also, here's what the data suggests. The data suggests that employees are leaning towards flexible, more hybrid options. They may want to go back to the office for a portion of time, but they're very interested in, in maintaining the option to work outside the office, particularly if they have the ability to do so. And also, this experience has opened up unexpected opportunities for companies through cost savings, new products and services. And, you know, there's a built-in team resilience here that's pretty attractive. It's a, an attractive hedge against future events, whether it's a pandemic or a weather event or construction or any unexpected crisis, to be honest with you. And, you know, the changes that occurred in 2020 broke down barriers for both employers and employees because, you know, there are just big mindset shifts mm -hmm. and there'll be big organizational shifts because of not only those shifts in mindset, but new technologies. And I think some of the new market opportunities that got presented during this time period. I think one of the most interesting mindset shifts that's going to happen is people start going back to the office is this concept of this blended environment for meetings and things like that. Whereas in the past, if you weren't there, you just weren't in the meeting. Or maybe you joined via a conference call. But now I think a lot of companies are going to have setups with Zoom, Teams, things like that, where people just kind of, you don't know how they're going to join. Are they going to be on site? Are they going to join remotely? It really doesn't matter. And that's going to make a big difference. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I think this is going to be fabulous, to be honest with you, because think about it. Organizations have been distributed for a long period of time. And if you were the unfortunate soul who was yeah. outside of, you know, the mothership, right, you know, the kind of home office where you were physically in the building, in the room, at the conference table, then if you were the unfortunate soul on the conference polycom, then getting a word in edgewise or having mm -hmm. a meaningful presence, you know, I've actually watched people do things like walk out of a conference room and the person on the comm call is like, hello, hello. <laughs> Oh, are we right. done? You know? You're like a second class <laughs> attendee. I mean, you really are, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think that there's a real opportunity here. And I think that there have been organizations that have been nailing this for a really long time. They've done a fabulous job and have included their distributed team members in very healthy ways. But there were way more people that weren't doing a good job. So this is leveling the playing field all around. And I think it's important for those who think, ah, nah, everyone's just got to come back to work. I mean, going forward to be a competitive employer, to attract good talent, you're going to have to offer options like that. It's going to make a big difference. I think the other thing too, is that we had a fallacy that everybody was in the office all the time. And, right. you know, think about sales teams, think about support groups, think about, you know, distributed teams that had multiple locations. The plain fact is, is that those distributed environments had built in inequities for a very, very long time. And I think the pandemic has really 
opened up the conversation in really healthy and appropriate ways. Now organizations are going to have to build the operating structures and the protocols to be able to accommodate it. That's right. Well, what are the biggest concerns right now regarding remote worker health, well-being, and safety? I always like to try to focus on that if we can. Yeah, I think the big top three that are kind of top of mind right now that we're hearing a lot about is worker isolation because, you know, in many parts of the world right now, we're not, you know, because we have international companies, so it's not just US centric, but, you know, the world in general, worker isolation is really top of mind. The impacts of extended stress, particularly for women, for families, for folks who are juggling a lot of professional and home responsibilities. And then long-term anxieties due to the ongoing uncertainty about what's coming next. And many, many people have kept things going through extraordinary circumstances this past 12 months. And I think it's easy to forget that there are people suffering in lots and lots of different ways right now. And, you know, they're very often doing that silently. And employers, managers, and leaders need to recognize the need to acknowledge the ongoing impacts of this unrelenting stress and develop clear strategies for normalizing and accommodating wherever they can. Okay. Well, we've definitely laid out some issues that people are challenged with, but to get into some solutions and advice, let's come back around to talk about these things in more detail. We hear it from our customers. I mean, many of Alert Media's customers have suggested they will continue with remote work at their organizations post-pandemic. And as you said, you've heard that as well. And because it looks like this is indeed the new normal, what's some advice that you have for organizations on engaging and connecting with their remote workforces into the future, knowing that there's going to be kind of this hybrid model of some people always on-prem, some people always remote, and then this kind of mixed, some people working home three days a week, but coming in part-time. Yeah, you know, I'm going to break it down into three very specific things that people should be focusing on and should be executing with consciousness and deliberateness and strategic intent. And the first one is building the infrastructure and the operational processes to support and enable healthy team productivity. And this is really important because we went into lockdown almost overnight, which means everything happened with duct tape and (laughs) band-aids and who knows what, right? It was like, here we are, then we're not. And so we really have to go back and do this with some sort of deliberate, conscious and mindful thoughtfulness. And that's going to be an important first consideration. And to do this, you're going to need a multidiscipline approach because it's going to impact every area of your organization. And I'm talking every area. We're talking operations, HR, legal, compliance, technology, you know, name something and it should be at the table because Mm. this is such a fundamental shift. The second thing is skill up. You know, so you, your managers, your team members have the business skills that they need to work effectively in these new work models. That's important because you got to shift your mindset because this is shifting not only the way that we're going to evaluate performance, but performance metrics and also what leadership looks like going forward. And third, prepare to create a new business culture that's less dependent on in-person interactions. We just talked about this, Peter. And re think about how we touch each other, how we stay in contact and how we provide support. And Peter, don't get me wrong. In-person contact is important. 
Yeah. It's necessary. It should be a piece of what comes next. But we have to expand our vision and create touch points in new and innovative ways. I agree. And I think the culture part is just so critical. If you don't get the culture right, and it's not supported from the top down. It's just going to fall apart, right? It does. It just doesn't yeah. work very well. Yeah. And I think, you know, people are going to underestimate the level of effort that it takes, but we can't emphasize enough. This is a fundamental sea change. People should take this seriously and they should use it as an opportunity to really effectively mold and craft that culture going forward. Because there's a lot of opportunities here if people do it the right way. Agreed. And if you set the culture and the tone right at the beginning, it will then kind of help people understand and in all those things you mentioned, where it's going to touch everything in the organization, it'll help them understand the tactics to support that decided culture. Like one thing I heard a company tell me the other day is we're going to have people work part in the office and part at home. But now you, you're starting to think about things like work setups. Like I don't want to go to the office if I show up and I don't have all my normal monitor and my chair and this and that, but I don't want to work from home if you're going to take it away from me. So now it's two setups that I got to have to make someone happy and comfortable and productive. So there's all these little things that you got to think about to support that culture that you're trying to build. Yeah. And, it, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Because yeah. you've got setups. You've also got, you know, this change is happening ahead of employment law and ahead of, you know, the definition of when is somebody on or off. And I mean, that's been coming for years oh, ever yeah. since we all got our, you know, our cell phones, right? It's like, you know, what's work? What's life? Who knows? You know, that's right. Everyone used to work from home used to say, well, I don't know if you really want to do this because you are never off. Now, hopefully with it being accepted in the culture. And I'm seeing more articles about this where big companies are saying, yes, we're pulling back and we're making sure people take time off and don't feel like they have to communicate all the time when they're the remote employee. So I'm glad to see that out there. Yeah. And I think that really kind of speaks to some of the fundamentals. If you're going to set up programs like this and integrate it into your culture, then appreciate one of the first steps you're going to take is negotiating expectations and boundaries. That's going to be a revolutionary moment. And I think it's just also really driving the whole discussion about, you know, we firmly believe there's no such thing as work-life balance. We just, I don't believe it, you know, as long as we're digitally connected, right? But this is going to drive a lot of conversation around work-life integration. And just because somebody gets up to go to the bathroom (laughs) and they happen to be at home doesn't mean that they're, you know, a shirker because when they were in the office, I guarantee you, they got up, went to the bathroom, got a cup of whatever and said hello to three friends before they went and sat down and nobody thought twice about it. So that's right. Way more distracted. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So yeah, it's going to drive a lot of interesting discussions both legislatively, I would say, you know, employment law is going to be impacted, just, you know, the whole definition of workplace. Without a doubt. Well, coming back to safety, effective communication is a topic that we really often talk about here on the show, just because we feel it's so important. What role do you think communication plays in helping keep remote workers safe? I can't underscore the importance of communication enough, particularly in remote and distributed teams. You know, I think it's important for everyone, but in remote and distributed teams, it's essential because if you don't have good communication protocol set up and an operational framework for it, then appreciate remote and distributed teams are working in the dark. Mm. They're not going to, you know, have serendipitous ad hoc interactions, there has to be a certain amount of deliberateness associated with it. But communication today is multi-channel and 
everything is on the table. And that yeah. means, you know, we are always saying to folks, and one of the, the things we underscore in all of our skill programs is you got to be a multi-channel ninja, you know, old school <laughs> to super high tech. You got to be yeah. able to do both of those things because you need new skills and techniques to get good results. If you're working with new technology tools that you've never worked with before, because you're going to adjust and, you know, they're being used to accommodate different things. But you got to remember that, you know, in-person has its moments. Writing a handwritten note, sending somebody a birthday card, you can do it digitally. But, you know, sometimes, you know, having flowers delivered to their doorstep or doing something that is a differentiator makes a big difference. I don't think you can ever have enough touch points. And I think in these team situations, every touch point is important, but it, it should be part of a larger strategy that when it's executed with consideration, helps people feel connected and valued and trusted in the organizations that they work for. Yeah, I think you just have to meet people where they are and then also use the appropriate channel for that particular communication. And that's why it's great to have all these options but you can't get narrowed focus thinking, oh, we've got email, so everything can go through email or everything can go through the chat tool. It can't. You have to meet people where they are. And that changes based on the nature of the communication, the situation and things like that. Yeah, and I think people forget that every channel has its own etiquette. So, you know, email is more formal, texting is less formal, but I would argue that when you're texting someone, it's very similar to what's happened with the the video culture, right? We're now in people's homes. We're in people's hands. Mm. And that's an intimate form of communication. And so this is really changing the social contract. Is it okay for you to be in my home? Is it okay <laughs> for you to see my background, the art on my walls, all of this sort of thing? And so it's a really, really interesting dynamic. And if you don't understand the etiquette and you're only using the channel you prefer, you know, part of the problem is, is that digital communication is only effective if someone actually picks up your message. So it's got to be a closed loop system. So you can send lots of messages, but if nobody's listening to you, you're just talking to yourself. That's a fantastic piece of advice right there. And I hope a lot of people hear this. It's oftentimes people do training on this or companies do training where they let people identify what kind of person they are. Do they like to receive things in writing? Do they like to hear? Do they like to be around a lot of people? They're more like introverts. And understanding where someone is allows you to better communicate with them. Well, we oftentimes forget the channel too. Like, is it appropriate? Is it okay for me to text you? Is it okay for me to do this or that? So just asking people that up front can make overall communication much better. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's really important when you're thinking about communication is, you know, people in digital communication are going to interpret your message based on the level of trust they have. Do they know you, their state of mind. So if you're leading teams in these environments, if you're managing teams, if you're saying to yourself, how do I build that culture? Appreciate that if you're only doing digital, then you haven't actually gone through the investment to build that relationship. And you got to remember there's people, people behind all these channels. And if you don't connect with them, if you don't invest in that relationship, if you don't build trust with them, then it doesn't really matter what you send them through the touch points because they're not going to get your message. That's right. That always comes back to people. It always comes back to people. Well, we do like to close out each episode by asking our guests to give the listeners a piece of advice or a best practice that they can implement immediately 
at their organizations. So in your mind, what can the audience do today to help improve their company's safety culture? So I think we have to finish with what we were just talking about. I think we have to remember we're dealing with people. Mm. And, you know, I think building in time for human contact in whatever form you can. And, you know, I once had a great conversation with a fabulous, fabulous remote team leader who'd been running remote teams for years, and he was doing it on an international scale. And I had asked him, you know, do you find from a culture and a language and that there are struggles there? And he sort of chuckled and he said, you know, in the end, people are more the same than they're different. (laughs) That's right. Parents are parents, you know, people in relationships are people in relationships. The average person gets up and, you know, they just want to be you know, successful. They just want to earn a living. They want to do a good job and and feel proud and they want to feel their value. And so, you know, how do we remember that building in time for human contact in whatever form you can? And then how do you rethink how we're going to use tools like, say, for example, alert media to create meaningful touch points? Because while a tool might have been used in one particular way in the past, if it can be repositioned mm-hmm. and repointed in innovative and creative ways, people, we're seeing people do this all over the place. Yeah. You know, those existing technologies, when they're retrofitted, when they're used in an innovative fashion, have created a lot, lot, lot of very meaningful results because you want your people to know that you value them. So don't forget, regardless, make sure you've got a plan for doing that and then invest in the skill development so your managers, your company leaders, and the team members have the know-how to operate safely regardless of where they sit. Yeah, no, excellent advice. And as long as you're not promoting the idea of bringing back the fax machine, then I fully support what you're saying. (laughs) Although we do a lot of work with healthcare and they still have uh, all of their pagers. So, you know, it's like, yeah. So who knows, you know, at a certain point in time, you know, Peter, faxes might become, you know, the next in thing. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Everything always comes back like fashion. (laughs) Well, Marianne, thank you so much much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time, expertise, and advice. And if anyone out there listening has follow-up questions or just wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Thanks for having me, Peter. It's been my pleasure to join you today. If people want to connect with me, they can connect through LinkedIn. I keep my connections open, so I'm always glad to meet new friends. Or you can email me directly at masnow at sophia, S-O-P-H-A-Y-A dot com. Okay, wonderful. Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information.
You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.